Welcome to Freedom Podcast. Today we continue our series, The Vow. Wedding vows are more than a declaration of love. They hold the keys to a strong, lasting marriage. Discover what the vow can mean for your future. That podcast starts right now. When I was a kid, I used to love... Uh, one of my favorite shows was The Dukes of Hazard. One of my favorite shows... And, okay, for the, the Duke and you, I guess there's some Dukes of Hazard fans in here, but one of the things I loved about the Dukes of Hazard was not only because there was a part of me that's a rebel, one of the great things about the show was there was always cool chase scenes. There was one of them involved Roscoe P. Coltrane. And, uh, you know, there was always a chase happening and cars flying everywhere. You know, and, and, and given that I'm kind of an 80s baby to some degree here, but I still didn't take away from the fact that there was a thrill in that chase, right? The thrill was in that chase, watching them get away from the guys or whatnot. And, and there was always that thrill. That thrill should transfer to some degree in our lives. This message this morning is called The Chase, The Principle of Pursuit. Last week was our first week in the series, The Vow. And we talked a little bit about priority in relationships. We talked about what does priority look like. And for some of us, we realize that when you look at priorities in the scripture, we realize that God is always first, right? But a lot of times we misconstrue what that looks like in the world. And so let me say it like this. What we talked about last week is vow number one that said this. I promise God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. I don't think most people would argue with the first part of that statement. I promise God will be my first priority. But I think some people misconstrue what that second one looks like. And we talked a little bit about that again last week. If you did not hear last week, this snippet will not do a complete justice. But I'm trying to summarize what I'm trying to say here. And it's this. My spouse will be my second. You say, well, what about my kids? What about all this? I get that. The scripture teaches us that we have a covenant. First of all, we have a relationship with our God and we have a covenant with our spouse. Our children are an offspring of that covenant with my spouse. So if we follow the scriptures as it teaches us, I am to love my spouse as my second and everything else in life will fall into place. If God is first and I'm married, my spouse is my second, my kids will benefit from that love that I have for my spouse because they will not only see the reflection of God, but they will then mimic that in their own lives. So some people, some people have a hard time with the idea that God is first and spouse is my second. You say, what if I'm divorced? What if I, and I realize that this is an uncomfortable topic to some people here today. But trust me, I'm not trying to categorize single, divorced, married, unmarried, should be married. Dumb, I'm not going to get married. I'm not trying to categorize people. They are, everybody in this room is in different places in their life, right? So no matter where you are in your place of life, understand where I'm coming from. God is first. My spouse is second. And when I start to line up my priorities right, things become blessed in my life. And so this week, 
I want to take a deeper look into what we talked about last week and go a little deeper. How many know that in your faith you should go deeper, not wider? In other words, there's some people that have a faith that's 3,000 miles wide and three feet deep. In other words, they know a little about a lot of things, but they never dive into an area of their lives and ever really conquer anything. What we want to do here in this series is help you, those of you that are in relationships, whether you're married, even if you're single, trust me, there's something here. If you're going to be married at some point, if you're divorced, if there's something that has happened in your life, you're not labeled by those things. How many know that? When you stand before God, you're not going to stand before God as a married man, a divorced man, a a divorced woman, or this, that, and the other single. That's not how you stand before God. Are you hearing me? You will stand before God as an individual that was either obedient or not obedient. So I want to help you in areas of your life to walk in obedience. So as we sincerely look at our lives and we look at and take a deep look, most marriages fail because they made their number two their number one. But, but, but Pastor Tony, my family's my first ministry. God is your first ministry, period. You are to minister unto him, right? And then, and, and then if it applies to you, you marry, uh, as you married and you, you, you honor your spouse, that is your second. If you are not married, you honor your God while you wait for your second. If you're not going to get a second, you keep honoring God because you have a vow with him. A covenant with him because he died for you. How many know he died for you? Right? So here's where I'm going with this. As we talked about God being first and and our spouse being second, as we talk about relationships, I want to go into vow number two here this morning. And for those of you taking notes, write this down right now. Write this down. Vow number two says, I promise to always pursue my two. I promise to always pursue my two. Where am I going with this? I realize that um, in a series of messages like this, some of this is, is hard to understand where God fits in this whole thing because it, does, it seems less spiritual to some people. Marriage and relationships seems less spiritual. Shouldn't you be talking more about the gifts of the Spirit? And we will. We talk about all those things. But right now, There's a list of priorities that God is trying to help you straighten out. And here it is. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Here's an interesting verse. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 reads like this. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united. Everybody say united. United United to his wife and they become one flesh. That word, look at me. That word united. Let me get your attention. That Hebrew word is the word dabak, dabak. Now, let me go into this Hebrew word because I don't do a lot of Greek and Hebrew uh, as I preach because I realize for some degree, uh, some of it may go over our head, but there's very significant details you need to know about the word dabak, right? The word dabak is cling or adhere. Now, watch this. To catch by pursuit. To pursue hard with affection and devotion. So what God is saying here in Genesis, he's saying a man will leave his father and mother and be united. That is pursuing his wife. 
and they will become one flesh. To pursue is a constant. To pursue is continuous. To pursue means never stop. To pursue hard with affection and devotion. What breaks my heart is when I see relationships, I see couples tear each other down publicly in front of other people. Can I tell you something? Don't do that. Even if it's a joke, even if you think it's funny, even if she knows what I mean, guess what? She may have tolerated it for a long time. He may have tolerated it for a long time. But I'm telling you right now, that will come to pass where one day that will no longer be funny. When you publicly humiliate a spouse or anyone, that brings, it brings a very serious connotation into your relationship. You were to pursue them hard. You were to pursue them with affection and devotion. That's the scripture. That's what God said that that should look like. And how many know that it doesn't always look like that, right? It doesn't always look like that. Because we are messy people. As, as a people, as human beings, we are messy, messy Messy and things don't always fall through the way we want them to. But I want you to know something. There is an opportunity for God to work in that. I found three verses here that I want to share with you that all use the word debak. Same word, different connotation. Are you ready? This is super interesting. Give me, give me just a few moments here this morning because I want you to see these three verses. I think we're going to have them up on the screen. There's three verses in three parts of the Bible. Watch this. In Psalm 63, the Bible says, I follow close behind you. If you read the whole text, not just one verse, how many know you can't understand everything from one verse? All right? You got to look at the whole thing. The whole thing tells us this. If you read that whole Psalm 63, and I did, when you read the whole Psalm, it's talking about a way to pursue God almost intimately. To pursue God intimately as to know him, as to want him. Right? Then we look at the, 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 the passage in Job 41. In fact, Job 41 is a world different than what it's talking about in Psalm. Same word. Same word. The buck. And you know what it said? It said they are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. How many, how many look at this verse and you think that's a marriage word? That's a marriage passage. Right? That might have been in, in, in a marriage. That's what it was talking if you read the whole thing, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about a creature, a Leviathan, to be exact. Completely not what Psalm was talking about. Read it when you get a chance. And it's talking about how the scales were so close together. They were close together. The back of the Leviathan, the scales were close together. Very different. Very different than the Psalm passage. Same word. Totally different. Right? What is that talking about? It's talking about the closeness of each scale. And they cannot, be the, they cannot be removed. They cannot be departed. So watch this. We go from intimate knowing God personally, wanting to know him, and that sort of pursuit to the scales of a dinosaur. But the same word, the Bach, says it was close together. Then we look at Judges. 
And then we look at Judges in chapter 20, verse 45. They pursued hard after them. You know what this was? A military strategy. A military a moment where they were pursuing the enemy. They were going after the enemy. They were pursuing them hard, the Bach. Very different. Raise your hand if you say, that's very, very different, those three passages, right? Same word. Very, very different. What am I talking about? I'm talking about how God wants us to stay close in pursuit. Stay close in pursuit. And that's what all these three verses, while they're wildly different, all come together to say one thing. Stay close. Stay close. Why? Because the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy your life through relationships. He uses it. Why? Because we love relationships. We love to be connected. Oh, girl time, right, girls? Girls, y'all want to get your girl time together? Oh, we got it. I see it on Facebook. I see it. We need to get together, girl. Right? We haven't had coffee in a while, girl. And sometimes it's just you see a cup of coffee and some of y'all just say, girl. They don't even say about getting together. They just, girl. How can I get me some of that? That looks delicious. Right? We long for relationship. We long for connection. But here's the problem. We expect it to come to us. We don't pursue it. We expect everyone, oh, well, that church is so unwelcoming. Nobody did this and nobody did that. And so I asked, what did you do? Did you ask anyone to go? And do something? Did you ask anyone to go? Let's go grab a cup of coffee. Let's go grab a cup of coffee, girl. Right? It could be the guys too, but we don't do it like that. It's more deeper and it's more like, dude. Dude. Wings, dude, do this. Minimal words. Girls will talk 50, 70 words. Guys will be like, dude, wings, Tuesday. That's it. And all, everybody, all the guys understand it. It's very different. Right? How many know what I'm talking about? Testify, testify. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Dude, wings, Tuesday. Girls are like, You lost me at the first 17 words. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying to you, in the same way we want to pursue relationships, you should want, look at me, you should want to pursue that loved one. And don't stop pursuing. I said it last week, whatever it's going to take to win them, it's going to take twice that to keep them. Right? Whether it's spouse whether it's boyfriend or girlfriend, you know what I'm talking about? Whatever it took to win them, it's going to take twice that. Why twice that? Why not just the same thing? No, I think it's twice that because familiarity breeds contempt. And sometimes it was so familiar, it's going to take twice the effort. How many realize sometimes it takes twice the effort to do anything you used to be able to do easier before? I'm not just talking about going downstairs. But that too, right? Or reaching down to get something. You used to be doing it pretty easily, right? You used to be like, oh, I got to get this. Now it's... I'm a little off topic, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Some things change. 
What's interesting is I found the passage here that I want to share with you. Jacob and Rachel. We know the passage. Bless you. Jacob and Rachel, for those of you that don't know, there's an amazing story in the Bible. And if you, if you go back into the Old Testament, there was a story of Jacob and his love for Rachel. And the Bible's funny because if you read it, it literally says there were two sisters. There was Leah, the oldest sister, and Rachel, who was the younger sister. It was Rachel who had a lovely figure, and Leah had weak eyes. I'm not sure why the Bible... It's like, she was beautiful, and she has weak eyes. And that's what it says. And if you look in the Hebrew... What that meant was she is she a great personality. Okay, that's it. I'll leave it there. Um, so Rachel's lovely informing figure and that I guess, you know, Jacob loved the younger of the sisters, not the older one. And, and he says... To Jacob, I want to marry her. And then the father Laban says, fair enough. Work seven years for me. The imagery is beautiful because what happens is here, Scripture tells us that he worked seven years to get the one he loved. And then when it came time, he realized, uh, they're giving me the one I didn't want. And he says, oh, you want that one. Well, you got to work seven more years. And some people think that he had to work seven more years and then they got married. No, in fact, what the tradition was is that he actually gave her hand in marriage that day. And he, after married, worked seven more years, which creates this beautiful imagery for us for a moment. If you think about this, even after you're married, you still have to work. You still have to pursue and it takes some time. It takes effort. It takes energy. My wife and I, we are, we, are, we, we are constantly pursuing date night together. 18 going on 19 years married this May. We still do our best to have a date night. At least once a month. Get a babysitter. We'll just go out. Just go out to dinner and talk. And you know what we do? We tell ourselves, let's put our phone away. Right? Some of y'all might need to do that right now, right? Sometimes I need to put our phone away and realize that this is our time. Because every notification, everybody wants to get your attention. How many know the world wants your attention even when it's not uh, convenient for you? And so my wife and I have made a diligent, and it takes effort to do that. Pursuing way after you get married. Still working. Still plugging, still wanting to go deeper in that relationship. And so I love the fact that he worked even afterwards. Oh, sure, you can look at the story and go, wow, he had to work 14 years for the one he loved. If you love that person, man, this doesn't feel like 14 years. Love is very, very important. And work is very important to keep that love you have. Man, let me speak to you for a moment. Because 
For seven more years, he gladly worked for her, even though he already had her. Because we have this mentality, right, men? Let me speak to you for a moment. You need to work for your spouse even after the wedding. Because let the chase begin when you first meet and you first set eyes on her. Let the chase begin. We see, we want, we conquer, and now on to the next thing. There's a problem here. Your wife is not a trophy. She's not a challenge. She's created in the image of God the way God created her to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Stop looking at that as a conquer. Now I move on. That's what destroys marriages. I can't tell you how many times I sat in my office with people that have lost their pursuit. They've lost the chase. They no longer are running after their spouse. And if you're here this morning, you're not dating anybody. You're here this morning, you're single. Hear me when I'm telling, I'm telling you right now, if you're in a position where you can chase your number two, do it with all your might. Let God lead you to do it. Let God give you the desire. Because I realized something that uh, no gift is to be assumed yours forever. I hear story after story of someone that lost their spouse and they're, they're saying, I wish I could have just had one more moment with them. I wish I could have just said one more thing. I remember when I was in college and my wife and I were dating at the time and uh, I remember we would be talking on the phone because we, and at my college at the time, we had curfew. So we go to, you know, we go back to our room and we talk. We've been together for hours, but then we go back to our room and we call each other on the phone and talk for a few more hours. But inevitably at some point, we'd be like, we probably should go to bed. No, you hang up. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, you hang up. No. 20 minutes later. <clears throat> what was that? Hey, no, wait, hey. No, I wasn't. I was just resting my eyes because I love you so much. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up. You could have hung up a long time ago and got decent sleep, but no. Right? And that's where the tug of war begins. Remember that chase? Some of you are like, I don't know about that chase. I don't know if I've ever had that. Can I tell you something? Decide to close the gap between intention and actions. Here's what I'm saying. Be intentional in your pursuit toward the one you love. And I realize that, man, there's very, le- very different levels of relationship in this room, but one of the biggest problems we have today is that many of us judge other people by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions. I'm meant to do well, so I'm okay. But yet we judge everybody else by their actions. What are you doing? Look at me. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, look at me in the eyes for a moment. And I need need to ask you a question. What are you doing to pursue that person? What are you doing to deliberately make that a special relationship? Because like I said, we often, we often judge everybody else by their actions. In us, I meant well. I never did anything to make our relationship better, but I meant well. Listen, that just doesn't cut it. 
meant well and had good intentions doesn't cut it. And I said this last week. If Let me tell you something. If the person that you're dating is not pursuing you now, if they're not pursuing you while you're dating, flag, I'm just saying, I'm going to be straight up honest, flag. Because that is only going to get more difficult. It doesn't have to, but it will. Just by nature. So what am I saying to you? Decide to close the gap between intentions and actions. And here's what I'm talking about. This is good. Are you ready for this? This is good. Three, three very, very simple thoughts, and I'm going to shoot them to you. You ready? Number one. Well, we'll look at this. When you think something good, say it. This is, oh, this is good. Are you ready? When you think something good, it costs you nothing to just say it. If someone, the person you're pursuing, did something, said something, is wearing something. (laughs) Whatever that looks like, say it. And mean it. Right? Come on, somebody. Why are y'all laughing at me? I said sex last week. Many people woke up in the beginning of the sentence. <laughs> Should I say it again? Wake up some other people? If you think something good, twice a day. When you think something good, say it. You had to be last, here last week to understand it. Hebrews 3.13, watch this. Here's what it says in Hebrews 3.13. I didn't make this up. Hebrews did. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know what? The world will want to romance my wife. The world will want to romance me and pull us apart. The world wants to romance my wife, pull her away, The world wants to romance me and pull me away. Why? Because sometimes I'm too stubborn when I think something to say it. If you think something good, it costs you nothing to say it. And some of you are like, I wish this person was here today. Get the podcast. Here's here's some tips. You ready? Pursue her. Men, pursue her with words of affection. You want to know how to pursue a woman? Pursue her with words of affection. Women, you want to pursue him? Pursue him with words of affirmation. Women want affection. Men want affirmation. What am I saying? I'm saying she wants to know, do you love me today? Men want to know, do you believe in me today? I'm going to say that again because this is, maybe it's just a lot to take in because it, it, took, it, it took a lot for me to process this right now. Pursue her with words of affection because she wants to know, do you love me today? Pursue him with words of affirmation because he wants to know, do you believe in me today? You could be the most secure man on the face of the earth, but the moment The woman you care about tells you, I believe in you. You have doubly become secure in yourself. 
I could have a hundred people tell me, Pastor Tony, that was a great message. A hundred, I could have 200, 300 people tell me, Pastor Tony, that was a mess. Thank you for that word. And I'm encouraged by that. My wife tells me that was a great word. Forget everybody else. That means the world to me. That's the honest to God truth. I'm not even playing games because she's heard me preach more than all of you combined. 18 years of marriage heard me every week, multiple times a week, every city, every state we flew to, every place we drove to as evangelists, five times a week sometimes. She heard me every one. When she says that was a good word, I'm taking it to the bank. I'm cashing that puppy. I'm serious. You think I'm kidding. It means the world to me. Why? Because I'm a man and I need to know that, that I need that. Does she believe in me? I don't care how old you are. Men want to know that you believe in them. Just like you women who want to know, does he truly love me? That affection, does he want me? Men say, does she believe in me? Is this helpful? Man, I'm telling you what, this, that was right there, that will solve a lot of issues in your life. If you start realizing, men, while we like affection, there's something about affirmation that the world's not giving us that only you can give. You hear that? You can offer affirmation to me, and I'll gladly receive that. And I'm encouraged by it. Trust me, when people come to me and they tell me that was a great word, that means something to me. I'm not telling you it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm telling you that something holds more weight in my life. And it's when the woman I love and the woman I'm married to says to me, I believe in you by giving me that word of affirmation. And in the same way, women, they want to know, do you love me today? Second thought is this. When you think something special, do it. When you think something special, do it. Do whatever you can. See, if anyone knows the good they ought to do and they don't do it, to them is sin. And I understand James is going in a, a slightly different way, but it still applies. Do something about what you believe in. And if you love your spouse, listen, all ideas come from, I'm a firm believer in this, listen to me. All ideas come from three sources. Are you ready? Flesh, Satan, and self. All the source of everything, every idea, comes from three sources. The bottom line is it's flesh, Satan, or self. And trust me when I tell you, when you feel like doing something to bless somebody, whether it's that person or whatnot, that spouse, that significant loved one, whatever, that's not the enemy. The enemy wants nothing to do with a, a, a relationship that's joined. And there's a very good chance that it's not your flesh because your flesh is selfish. And to plan out something takes energy, time, and mental fortitude for some of us more than others. To plan out a weekend, an event, takes a lot of work. And our self is not game with that. Especially guys, we just aren't. We're not wired that way. But if you look at it like a mission, look at it like a mission from God and realize if you feel something that you should do something, do it and love your spouse, love that person and realize that your action is an investment. Your action is an investment. See, 
Consider it a whisper from heaven. Here's a third thought. Are you ready? Third thought. When you want something different, this is the, this is the kicker. Ready? Be it. Be it. When you want something different, be it. Before you can ask anyone else to be something that you're not, you got to be it first. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. It serves you well to say, if I want a spouse that's faithful, if I want a spouse that's loving, if I want a spouse that's forgiving, if I want a spouse that pursues me, I need to then become the spouse that loves and pursues and goes after. Right? If you want something good, be it. If you want something in your marriage, in your relationship, try being it. And watch how things change. How many feel what I'm saying right now? See, this doesn't just apply to marriage. It applies to life. See, what you've never had, you must do what you've never done in order to get what you've never had, right? In order to get, or rather to, 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 uh, to get what you once had, you got to do what you once did. And some of us have lost that pursuit. Can I tell you something? Rekindle that. And one of the things I'm excited about next week, what we're going to do next week, we're going to have this thing set up. I'm going to have it pretty. And after service, what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to come. Maybe if you want to come a little bit more dressed up, if you'd like to dress up, if you don't, that's fine. But we're going to have pictures being taken right here with you and someone you love right here. And some of you are like, "Uh uh-oh. What if you're just, listen, I'm going to let that to you. I'm just offering it. But here's what I want us to realize. You cannot expect your marriage to change if you don't. Look at me. You cannot expect your, cha- your marriage to change if you don't. You feel me? Remember the height from which you were fallen. The Bible tells us in Revelation 2.5, repent and do the things you did at first. So here's the big idea. And here's what I want us to walk away with. I want us to walk away with this thought. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. When I look at marriage and I look at the vows that that my wife and I took 18 going on 19 years ago, I remember when when I was standing at the altar and I looked back and I could see just a, a quick glimpse of her on the glass and the stained glass in the back or whatnot. I could see her walking and the moment I saw her And I'm not even making this up. I'm not even trying to embellish this. I'm telling you, I literally lost my breath. She walked across and stood there. And I'm standing at the altar, scared to death. Because I realized what I was going to have to become to be the priest in my home. To be the one that leads our children to be the example that they look toward. I I saw all that ahead of time. So I'm a mission-oriented person. I looked back and I saw her. My heart literally fluttered. I lost my breath for a moment. I could not believe what happened to me at that moment. It was weird. I didn't expect it. I didn't hear about it. I didn't read about it. I didn't, you know, it just happened. 
and as she walked down that aisle, I remember that moment. And I'm telling you to this day, it was one of the most special moments of my life outside of receiving Jesus Christ as my Savior. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Why? Because a contract is based on mutual distrust. I'm going to set a contract because just in case, right? A covenant based on, is based on mutual commitment. A contract says just in case something goes wrong. A covenant says just because I want everything to go right. So what's the big idea? Here's the big idea. I will pursue my number two. I will pursue my number. Pastor Tony, what if I don't have a number two? Pursue your number one till God gives you number two. It doesn't change. You're still pursuing number one. And who's number one? Always, right? God is number one. I got one more quote I want to read to you. And here it is. It'll be up on the screen. Loving someone doesn't mean you agree with everything they do. It just means that your commitment to them is bigger than their flaws. In this room, they're married, unmarried, divorced, single, and those that are not even thinking about going that route yet. Doesn't matter. At some point or another, whether it's a relationship of a mutual friend that you may have, you love and forgive because that person means more to you than the flaws that they have. Yes? How many of you have imperfect friends? Raise your hand if you have imperfect friends. We should all have imperfect friends. If you're not raising your hand, I want to know who you're hanging out with. Like you and Jesus, that's it. Just Right? Can I have you stand with me for a moment? I want to pray a prayer over you. If you're online, if you're listening on podcasts, I want to pray over relationships right now because I want us to realize something about the vow. When you accept, look at me, when you accept people where they're at, flaws and everything, you realize that that person is more important than maybe whatever else may come between you. Hear me. If you're here and you're married, I want to tell you something. Pursue your number one and pursue your number two in that order. If you're here and you're single, pursue number one nonstop and stop trying to find number two because while you're with number one, he's going to show that right person your way. Biggest problem I have with people and they say, Pastor Tony, how should I do this and how should I? Listen, if you see God, he'll bring the right person your way. But whatever you do, don't go seeking in all different corners of the earth and forget God. You hear me? When you pursue your one, God will lay the right person in your path. If that's his will, if you should breathe your last breath, you will breathe your last breath pursuing number one. You can never go wrong there, amen? If you're here this morning and you've had a relationship that was severed through divorce, I want you to know something. 
we don't judge you here, freedom. And I want you to know there's always hope for restoration in Christ. Whatever that looks like, it may be different. I don't know. But I want you to know we believe that God is bigger than your past and your mistakes. And whatever happened, God is bigger than those things. Amen. So, Father, thank you for this privilege to speak into relationships. God, we don't get this platform very often in this topic. If we don't talk about relationships, sex, dating, and all the things that the world's talking about in their own theology and philosophy, then who's going to talk about it in a healthy format but us? Thank you for the reality of the cross brings us to understand who we are in you. I pray for marriages to be strengthened today, encouraged and built up today. I pray for lives to be transformed. I pray for those that are feeling hurt, even through this topic. It's very uncomfortable. I pray you would bring something to their path that would allow them to sense your peace. And for those that have yet to tie the knot, God, I pray you would allow them to pursue you, number one, till you hand them their number two. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.